0: You're most welcome. Uh,
1: the information coming out of the United States today, um, which alleges there was an assassination plot against a Sikh activist, and it was directed by an Indian government employee. Does this surprise you at all?
0: No, it doesn't surprise me. Even uh, with respect to the ninja thing, I had said um, at the beginning that I believe India could have done it um, because... Um, under under Modi, I think the nature of Indian foreign policy has changed, and uh, the character of Indian government has changed. It's somewhat more muscular, as he likes to call it. I like to call it sort of more autocratic and dictatorial and somewhat uh, numb to uh, minorities' uh, equality and things like that.
1: What do you think has to happen now in Canada? This says that the, uh, the the comments that Prime Minister Trudeau made... Uh, in the House of Commons were corrected. Is there any uh, course of action for Canada in this case?
0: I don't think there is. I think uh, beyond uh, prosecuting uh, the culprits, if they're ever found here and uh, brought to justice in Canada, I don't think there's much Canada itself can do. I mean, you know, we are a m- small to middle power in the world, and uh, we don't have the clout the U.S. has. And uh, I, I think... One of the reasons that they're paying more uh, heed to the U.S. is because U.S. is much more powerful. And the other reason is that U.S. actually gave them more goods on what was happening, and whereas um, I think in Trudeau's case, they may not have given them the straight, straight goods because of the nature of the investigation in, in, India, in Canada and what stage it may have been at. And um, so I think that that may be um, a problem, but I think, from my perspective, you know, when when you, I mean, the power balances in the world are changing, um, and uh, and what uh, bothered me, um, you know, having my suspicions confirmed about the role of government uh, of India in uh, in Pannu uh, was that um, that you know India has lost its uh, international. non-aligned virginity and um, other countries have done the same thing so it's not about being pure but if you are going to preach um, you know principles to the world then you must follow them yourself I mean U.S. has never done that so (laughs) we know that but but I thought I held India sort of differently perhaps I was naive because under Modi India has changed
1: um, when we talk about this, what, what do you think would be the reasoning for India to do this? I mean, clearly they aren't happy with, uh, Mr. Nijer's comments and the demand for a, a separate Sikh state. Mr. Pandu is the same in, in the United States, but Sikh separatism, my sense of it, having lived and reported from India, it's never been very strong within India whatsoever uh, it's strong in in uh, expat communities in london and in toronto in vancouver uh, but within india the separatist movement is is you know relatively small and it, innocuous it, really it,
0: well it's you know it's it, it sort of almost dead in india i mean i was there in may and in october i can i can attest to that um it, it's it's alive here and it's going to remain alive for different reasons we can go into those at some other point point at other time um, but I think that by doing what government of India has done is just given prominence to, uh, elements that really, uh, m- don't mean very much, uh, to India. I think, I think it's, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, Mr. Modi wanted to prove to the world that he has a inch chest, as he used to say himself. And, uh, part of this is sort of muscular foreign policy and we'll take all comers and all on, all enemies, uh, we'll take them on. And uh, you know to to uh, raise this to elevate this to a level of an international incident, going after some people sitting in the U.S. or Canada, crying for Khalistan. I, I just think that that's I that's not the kind of India I would have loved to see. Yeah. India could should be a strong country. It has the potential to be a very strong country and a big, great power. But uh, but India also had. Great deal of soft power um, before, and I think that they've kind of lost that soft power uh, with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at uh, Mr. Niger and and uh, you know, he's a volunteer at the temple. You know, in the in the. Great uh, power game. He's relevant when, he, when you see the rise of China and India. Uh, Mr. Pannu, the American that uh, was supposedly um, the, the, one, the person they wanted to kill, uh, I view him as sort of a loudmouth and a braggart you'd find on social media, nothing more, nothing less. I can't see either of these men yeah. being remotely a threat. But what does this say in your mind to India's frustration with Canada? Uh, we still remember those of us of a certain vintage of the Air India bombing. Uh, I mean, this does speak, I guess, to a certain degree that countries like Canada, for too long, have not have not focused on elements within our country that the India feels does cause and is causing some trouble, or certainly has in the past, and we haven't done anything well, it about it.
0: Well, it doesn't cause India trouble only; it causes trouble to people like me. I mean, I, I find I find the response of the government of Canada. Are totally weak in response to what these guys been doing, like when when uh, Hamas attack happened against Israel, uh, Mr. Trudeau condemned it in no uh, uncertain terms, and when you have uh, people like Niger and others uh, raising uh, violent slogans in the temples, and have violent posters uh, wanting the, the uh, Indian diplomats to be assassinated, and we have the most weak, the weakest response from any government. Uh, in Canada. And I just think that the, the, the politicians in Canada, if I might say again, are absolute cowards. And they look at uh, politics and they think they don't want to antagonize anybody. Well, you know, if you, if you have that kind of politics where you don't want to antagonize anybody, then you lose all principle. And one of the problems with Canadian politics now is that on issues of the diaspora, They have almost no principles when it comes to countries like India.
1: Yeah. Certainly with your experience, you've seen it, and certainly my time in politics, I've always been surprised whether it be a Vasakhi Day Parade our Lunar New Year. I mean, it's a different world now. And having lived in India and China, I like to believe I have some sense of on-the-ground realities and and the the soft power that India and China wish to exert. And even places like British Columbia and in Vancouver. But you're absolutely right. We don't push enough. We have normalized so much of this uh, that it's quite appalling that you see pictures of AK-47s in certain temples or people that are viewed as terrorists in other countries. Somehow that we have romanticized these individuals or certain individuals have um, been romanticized. Um, on the issue, I'm just very curious on the extrajudicial judicial killings. When I see what happened to Mr. Niger and what was being alleged against Mr. Panu in, in India, I think back to the Russian government going after dissidents in London. I think of even Mossad, the Israeli secret service going after um, uh, members of, I do believe it was Hamas in Dubai. Um, I see even the US going after bin Laden in Pakistan. Uh, In that latter case, supported by, uh, you know, would be vastly supported by the people of the United States. You know, it tells you that extrajudicial killings are actually more common than, than we think. And your core comment earlier, there, are, there is not much accountability there. Like, you can't, what are you going to do to a country if they're doing such things? So, and, and it's ultimately very cheap when it comes to foreign policy to send a couple of hitmen in uh, to kill someone. And, and so I guess we shouldn't be too surprised. It's just a further reminder, though, that real politics, global politics, is now washing ashore in a much more sinister way on the shores of British Columbia and Vancouver.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that the Canadian politicians have been naive. I mean, we have, we have imported, uh, allowed immigrants from all parts of the world. And if we do that, we have a duty to make sure that we don't uh, allow them to import all the battles and the wars of the world onto the Canadian soil. What Canadian politicians have done uh, by not speaking out on these issues, they have now allowed Canada to become a battlefield for foreign wars. Whether there are separatist wars or other wars, it, this is—it is very, very serious. I just saw in the National Post there's a, there's a piece saying, you know, wheels have fallen off Canada's diversity, whatever. Uh, wheels fell off long time ago. Wheels didn't fall off yesterday. They fell off ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. I mean, politicians, you, you know, do lip service to equality. Real equality means. That you don't import all of the ugly battles of the world over to a country like Canada. It's not the Canada that I came to. Canada has changed and it's changed for the worse. And it's, it's the fault of people like Prime Minister Trudeau who have, you know, so fond of saying, you can come to Canada, you can be who you are. And I say, if you want to be who you are, why come to Canada?
1: That's actually, (laughs) that's a great slogan, by the way. I think you're absolutely correct. Actually, Uh, Financial uh, Post, one of the leading newspapers in the world, the FP, uh, just uh, had an article yesterday I was reading uh, talking just about Canada's foreign policy and focusing specifically on China and India. So this is a reputation. It's not just you and I speaking, our listeners uh, talking about this. The world is noticing that the problems have, have, have arrived in Canada and uh, we've always believed we lived in splendid isolation, no enemy around us, uh, economic superpower next door, and we didn't have to worry about the problems in the world, but now it's washing on our shore, which requires at its well, core yeah. a more robust foreign policy and a better sense of who we are. Now, one would argue the country to look at would be Australia. They've pushed back on China, yet they know who they are, and for some reason here in Canada, yeah, we suffer from it.
0: No, well, that's because I think, you know, we, we've we taken this sort of multiculturalism thing to heart so deeply that we forgot that we have some common values and common principles. And it's the common values and common principles have gotten lost, particularly in the last 10 years, in under Mr. Trudeau's reign, because he has basically said publicly a long time ago, Canada is no mainstream. Well, I came to Canada for Canada's mainstream. Of course, I came for better economic opportunities too, but there were, I could have gone to the US, there were better opportunities, perhaps economically there too. But uh, Canada is a different place. It's uh, its uh, you know obviously a, a trade-off between US and UK in terms of its political culture. It suited me well and now it's changing. It's changing in the sense that, that you have the, 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 the warriors from all over the world coming to Canada Uh, recreating their battles on this soil, and then our politicians have nothing to say.
1: It is disappointing, it truly is. Well, Joel, thank you, as always, for your time.
0: Good talking to you.